Warning, this podcast contains adult content, including frank discussions of sex and lots and lots of swear words. Enjoy! Taylor, you have to stop, she gasped. But Taylor didn't stop. She moved to the other breast, tugging at the nipple with playful bites and nips. Jen's body stiffened, and her thighs flexed as Taylor brought on a fresh round of tingling throbs between her legs. Taylor released the button on Jen's shorts and unzipped the fly. She slid her hand inside, cupping her fingers over Jen's damp panties. Jen pulled Taylor tighter to her breast as her body went into a spasm. Her legs twitched and pressed against Taylor's hips as the hot flood of passion took control of her every move. Taylor could feel Jen's urgency and pushed past her panties, curling her fingers over her mound and taking the nub between her fingers. Jen responded with deep throaty gasps as she jerked in rhythm to Taylor's strokes. Neil! Yes? That's too hot. Too hot? It's too hot! It's too spicy. Um, no, it's too hot in this room for spice that hot. I gotta open a window and turn on a fan. <laughs> I gotta dump cold water on my head. <laughs> it's 100 degrees across the United States, but I tell you, that that was a 150 degree reading. It's also not 100 degrees here. <laughs> no, well, you know, in San Francisco, we're never the same as everybody else. No, we gotta be special. But speaking of special, maybe we should do a podcast. I think we should. Because we're special. We, I have, I don't know about you, I have a mic in front of me, so like, why not just give podcasting a try? It's so brand new, but like, we'll do it, whatever. Such a new medium. (laughs) Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Claire. And this is FMK Lit. Where we read two romance novels. A straight one and a queer one. And then we play Fuck, Mary Kill with the characters. We certainly do. Also, all the spoilers. So many spoilers. It, we're going to we're gonna tell you how the books end. And, Just and, straight up. We're going to tell you all the best parts of this of these yeah, books. Or we'll worse, tell you the worst, depending it, on the book. Both. both. We'll tell you both. <laughs> right. So if you don't like spoilers, pause this and just go buy the book. Yeah. Just do it. Just do it. And then come back. And we can have a, a very one-sided conversation about our thoughts about it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. What I recommend is that you buy the book, you form a group club, a group book club, you all read it, and then you all separately subscribe to this podcast. <laughs> and then you have a podcast about this podcast. Also, there's, there's this weird thing where it won't play the episode until you already give us a five-star rating. It's really bizarre. I don't know how that happened, so but like, strange. just do it. Just yeah. do it. Yeah, no, like this is, I mean, what can we do? Podcasting, it's a new medium. (laughs) (laughs) So, Neil. Yes. What books did we read this time? Well, for today's episode, Mm -hmm. we read uh, Crazy for the Cowboy by Cindy Spencer Pape and Bragging Rights by Kenna White. Ooh. And what was the theme? The theme was cow persons? Cow I think we people. should say cow folk. I like cow folk. But that also makes me think of folk made out of cows. Yeah. So like cow polks? I mean, but what is different from polks and folks? Well, poke, like cow poke is a, is a, 
is a folk. <laughs> but, but that's a word, isn't it? Hey there, cowpoke. Yeah, uh, it is. Cowpoke yeah. is a word, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't that know. sounds good. It's cowfolks pokes. P- people who work on ranches and mm-hmm. cows, but they are they are themselves not cows. They are people. <laughs> that, that's the whole title of the episode. <laughs> Brilliant. But first, yes. I think we should go over what's got us hot and bothered. I think we should. I think we should. Excellent. Claire, 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 I'm dying to know what has got you hot and bothered. Oh, it's the dumbest shit on earth. Tell me. Let me tell you what. Uh, so I am into candles a little bit. Not mm-hmm. very much at all. Mm-hmm. But I tell you why I'm not very much into candles. It's because I keep getting these jar candles mm-hmm. and then they get like sooty on the mm-hmm. rims and the outsides. Did you know there's a whole set of tools to prevent that from happening? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have to imagine so. I know, but it's like, I didn't know. And also, did you know that most of those fancy ass candle stores in the mall don't actually fucking sell candle accessories like wick dippers and wick trimmers? They just, they just sell the candles. Look, that's the one place I thought I could get this shit. Anyway, so I did the dumbest thing ever and I bought wick accessories. <laughs> wick accessories, if you will. Wick accessories. I bought a trimmer. I bought a dipper and I bought, I don't know what it just a little capper. Just like, the little, the, yeah. Yeah. I, I want to, I, th- I feel like it's called like a candle snuffer. Yeah, that probably anyway, a candle or a bell, a candle bell or something, but candle snuffer. <laughs> I'm picturing a candle bell is like a bell, like a bell jar you put over your candle, but that defeats the purpose because then it uses up all the oxygen and just goes out. Uh, yeah, so it doesn't look pretty. But yeah, no, look, see, here it is. It looks a little like a bell. Oh, ding, yeah. Ding, ding. I'm making a dinging noise because this is not a visual medium. <laughs> Listeners, believe it or not, that dinging noise was Claire and not the bell thing. Yeah, this brand new medium that we're in right now um, <laughs> cannot see the 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 candle snuffer that i'm holding (laughs) anyway it feels dumb to have purchased this especially in on our way into a recession Mm -hmm. and myself being out of work and living on uh small means and out of nowhere i'm like you know what i need more than anything (laughs) candle accessories Fuck, fuck rent how do i put out my candles in an aesthetically pleasing way right but also you know, it's supposed to make the candles last longer. I think it's mostly just because you're paying more attention to your candles instead of just like walking out of the room and letting them burn to high hell. <laughs> Which you shouldn't do anyway. What? You sh- <laughs> what? <laughs> you imagine Claire what? in a backdrop <laughs> of fire. I'm not supposed to leave my candles unattended? This is fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's it's a... It's one of those dumb things that is an unnecessary purchase that I actually feel really good about. I feel bougie about, but it's fun to feel bougie about a thing for only $10. That's yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think like anything that's $10 or under and allows you to feel bougie. Fuck it. Mm -hmm. Get it. Whatever. I'm just now remembering my mother used to own one and it was entirely decorative. So were the candles. I don't think my mother owned candles, but I don't think she'd get like the big pillar candles and I don't think she ever burned them and they weren't scented. And then she had a candle snuffer and something else that she kept at like the hearth of the fireplace. 
decoratively. Oh, I have a firm belief that if you have candles displayed, it is bad luck to not have them burnt a little bit. Like just even mm. have the wicks blackened a little. Mm. I don't know why. I don't know if I heard that somewhere. I don't know if it's something I got from my mother, but like it's bad luck. So if I have a candle out where people can see it and it's not like, you know, in the back for like when the lights go out or something, like mm-hmm. all those candles, their wicks are burnt just a little bit. Interesting. But now you can keep them up much better. Apparently. With recent purchases. <laughs> this is Candle Talk with Neil and Claire. <laughs> I feel like I should do another thing. Like you should be Claire Candles and I should be like Neil Net Sports. And I talk about net sports like tennis. Oh, <laughs> I was like net sports, like very quickly searching for something on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a 90s hacker movie and I'm just like slamming on random buttons on the keyboard very quickly. <laughs> who can find the age of the radio broadcaster who who was famous for broadcasting in Boston? Go, you know, and it's just like search, 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 search fast. That's mm-hmm, that is, mm-hmm, I think, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a sport. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, Neil, what's got you hot and bothered? Um, so, okay. We live in the future. The future we, is now. It is happening. Yes. Um, there are sci-fi novels that were written that, that took place before now. We are beyond the future for some people. So why is it that in this, the year of our Lord, 2022, when you're applying for a job, they have you upload a resume... And then also fill out that exact same information in a form. Fucking why? Fucking why? Uh, I, I don't know. Also, I really thought LinkedIn was supposed to solve that problem and was supposed to just right. like be the repository for all of our employment information. Mm-hmm. So like, if we wanted to, we could just say a uh, link to LinkedIn, and then right, it would just download that. And they're like, "What do you want to delete or take?" You know, then you could add or whatever right, from there. But right. like, fuck Cause, you, because that's the thing too. Like that doesn't even work because you have to tailor the resume for each job that you're applying for. Right. Because now they have they they have bots that will read my resume for them, but they don't have bots that like can do it in a PDF or. Also, they don't have bots that send me a confirmation email. There are companies that I've been applying to. They don't even, they don't send me a confirmation email. They they don't send me a thanks, but no thanks email. No, this is the future. Have the robots do it. Have the robots do it. Anyway, that's it. That's all. (sighs) Hey, Claire. Yeah? Do we have some new Patreon patrons? (gasps) Neil Higgins, we do. Yay! We have... Three new Patreon patrons I wanted to talk oh about real God. quick. Shout out. We've got a oh Sam. We've got a Matt. And we've got a Nate. Oh, my God. I love all, it. All three of them, I think, would enjoy meeting each other and having a good time over a lovely drink mm-hmm. of their choice. Mm-hmm. I'm picturing an outside bar mm-hmm. with um, ooh, with those big, like, lovely, like, lights, string lights above them. Mm-hmm. Um, some good... 90s uh alternative rock playing in the background but lightly so it's mm-hmm, you know it's mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. lightly in the background it's nostalgic but also comforting even if it's got some harder gro- harder like grungy guitar mm-hmm. and uh all three of them share a plate of garlic french fries 
I love how your description started exceedingly generic. <laughs> like, I feel like they're the kind of person who would enjoy drinking beverages that they enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> so if you, dear listeners, also want a generic description of what we think your life might be, support us on Patreon. Support us on Patreon, Patreon. for these lovely generic generic responses <laughs> to your being. But we do thank you, of course. We thank mm-hmm. you very much. Like this mm-hmm. is, um, all of our Patreons are special to us, even if I give them generic drink choices. <laughs> yes. So go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash fmklitpod. We have extended episodes. We have bonus episodes. We have all kinds of shit over there. If you are not a Patreon supporter and you were like, I need more Christine, you need to join our Patreon because not only do we have extended episodes where we hear Christine's notes that she takes while we record, um, we also have episodes of her having read the rest of a series that Claire and I read for the podcast. We didn't read these extra books. Christine, of her own volition, is like, I read these books. I'm going to tell you about them. And they're amazing. So just join our Patreon. Um, I also want to uh, say what we just uploaded just this week is mm-hmm. a commentary track for the movie The King's Daughter. Um, and it is, Neil and I had a great time recording this. We mm-hmm. had an excellent time watching this particularly strangely awful movie. It was so bad. It's so bad. Um, and just thinking about the title, The King's Daughter, and you're just like, isn't that a princess? Isn't that just straight up a princess? <laughs> <laughs> but there's it, so much more. There's so much more happening. There's a mermaid. <laughs> there's Mervin's pants. There's there's Mervin's pants. There's a pirate. There's uh, Pierce Brosnan has probably the single best wig Hollywood has ever given anybody <laughs> <laughs> outside of every wig Meryl Streep has ever worn. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, like we've also got that up for you. We do like fun little hot and bothered during the week. So you can see what we're getting hot and bothered about, about various topics. So come on, join the fun. That'd be great. Patreon.com slash FMK lit pod. You have to enter it in because we say naughty words. It's not easy to search for it. So just go straight to the URL. You can't search us. (laughs) No, there is is a link in the description of this episode that you are listening to right now. So join us. Um, Claire, should we talk about these books? Let's talk about these books. Crazy for the Cowboy. By Cindy Spencer Pape. Tough as nails, Sheriff Fitz Hall has learned the hard way that transplanted city girls are not to be trusted, so he plans to steer clear of the new arrival in town. Rhiannon Jakubowski has lived a staid, regimented life. Inheriting a bookstore in Shirley, Wyoming is her first chance at independence, and she's determined to make the most of it. Within days of arriving, however, she wakes up to find the handsome sheriff in her bed. Pretty soon she's talking to ghosts. Is she losing her mind? Or is she just crazy for the cowboy? (laughs) It took such a left turn. Also, Christine, listeners, you need to know Christine is so excited that ghosts make an appearance. And that is one of the reasons why I picked this book. She said ghosts. So I'm like, okay, we better get some ghosts. Anyway, Claire, 
Uh-huh. Also, one last thing I have to note that in the version that I downloaded, the dis- the description of the book doesn't have apostrophes. It has question marks. So it's <laughs> she question mark S. So it's like she uh, doing this thing. Oh, my God. Yeah. That is anyway, awful. Claire, that's what the book says this book is about. What is this book about? Okay, first of all, I just need to say, as usual, I did not read the script description before charging into this book. And let me tell you what, I did not know there were ghosts. So that was a huge fucking surprise. (laughs) And it made no goddamn sense when I was reading it. (laughs) Um, But, okay. Part of me wants to tell you about this book as if it was a horror novel I was reading instead of a romance novel. And so picture this. You are a woman who's been abused her entire life. She has been passed around between family members. And in fact, the woman she thought was her mother was in fact her aunt. No, the woman she thought was her grandmother was actually her great aunt. Right. Oh my God. That thing is so, I'm excited to tell that story because it's so fucking convoluted. It was more confusing than it needed to be. And I had to reread it so many times and I obviously still don't remember. Yeah. I thought to chart it out and I was like, wait, I don't care enough. All right. So she's raised by people. She doesn't, who are lying to her about exactly who they are specifically. Um, She is raised by her aunt because her mother dies right that is what happened okay no here's what here's what happened was what happened was so her mother fell in love with this man and then he went off to world war ii no 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 that's her grandmother okay her (sighs) grandmother is it yeah fuck okay okay yeah, how about this yeah some lady gets knocked up the house and the, the who left her the oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. okay that's her so grandfather her grand her grandmother got uh fell in love with a soldier he left for war and then she realized almost immediately she was pregnant so then she had a baby and then her family sent her to a convent where she died the mm-hmm. baby was raised by the mother's sister because she had children already so she was raising an extra kid who wasn't her kid who was actually her niece and then she died right so then the grandma who is not the grandma who's the great aunt raised rhiannon for the rest of her life yes but like nobody but like said that she was her grandmother and like the the aunt grandma grandma aunt we'll just call her grandma aunt (laughs) Grandma aunt did not want to raise either the child of her sister or her great niece, like neither of them. And so she was bitter and awful the whole time. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then, and withholding and not affectionate. And then when, uh, when Rhiannon was in college, uh, she became very ill and Rhiannon was the only person available to care for her. So she had to care for her until she died. And so she lived a very isolated, very um, quiet life where she was made to feel like an other, made to feel less than, made to feel not like a whole person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she gets a mysterious letter in the mail where she is where she is left uh, uh, her uncle or her great uncle, who the person she thought was her great uncle, who is actually her grandfather, <laughs> left her 
um, left her his business, which is a bookstore, and the apartment above it. So, mm-hmm. like, this whole property is now hers. She's super excited about that. This is not where we come into the book, though. No. <laughs> All Sorry. of this we find out through the chapters. Mm-hmm. This would be helpful backstory to have known, but she is not the main character of this book. <laughs> The main character of this book, even though we get both their perspectives, I really do feel like he is treated as if he's the main character. Mm-hmm. The main character of this book is the sheriff guy who is coming home after a long, long day at work after there's been like a four car pileup where he's seen babies die. And he's also got a cold, so he feels really sick. He's feeling way out of it. So he comes into his apartment, he takes off his clothes and he crawls into bed. Um, and then we cut to a woman waking up and a man is having sex with her. And she's just like, this is strange. I wonder if this is a sexy dream. I will save this in the spank bank for later. <laughs> Which is pretty much exactly what she says. And then she's like, yeah, let's do this thing. And then she's like, wait a minute. Is this a dream? And she realizes, no, it is not. There is literally a stranger having sex with her in the bed right now. And she's like, well, I'm a virgin and I've always wanted to have sex. Let's just go with it. So she does. Mm -hmm. So and then he wakes up halfway through it and is like, oh, shit, I'm having sex with a lady. I wonder how that's happened. Did we get drunk? Who knows? Let's just keep doing it. Um, So both these people have sex with each other. Um, And then... Our girl, Rhiannon, partway through, right before she comes, is like, is this rape? (laughs) And I was like, okay, book, I was already having a hard time with this, but I was going to go with it. I was just going to go with it because you gave me no choice. But first, I was at first having a hard time with it because it was confusing. It was confusing to figure out what exactly was going on until it it was already too late and we were in it, so to speak. And it was just like, okay, so these romance books are supposed to be fantasies. It is a fantasy of having to not work for sex and have just a handsome man climbing through your window and be like, you're ready for it? And you're like, yeah, fuck yeah, let's do this thing. Also, this whole time I was like, well, she's going to catch his cold. Oh, I thought, uh, oh, look, COVID stuff going around. That's all I could think of was like, even, this is even a bad still, idea. Even before COVID, if a guy was like, I have a ch- I have a head cold. Do you want to have sex? I'd be like, no, I don't Absolutely have time to be not. sick. Get the fuck away from me. Thank you. Did we already have sex? And I didn't, you know, like before you got super sick. And so I probably already have the cold. Sure. Oh, I don't have the cold already. Get into another room and get away from me. Go over there. Um. Anyway. Anyway. So she considers if she's being raped. And I was like, no book. Nope. You have now destroyed the fantasy because now I have to consider if she's being raped. And what I'm going to say is, yes, yes, Mm -hmm. this is this is the sexual assault. Mm -hmm. This is rape. I mean, it's up to you, lady, what you want to do about it. And if you've decided to just accept it as part of your life, I'm not going to call the police or anything. But like, oh, my God. Yeah, this is rape. So anyway, consent is given during like when things have already started happening. That's too late. That's too late for the consent to happen. Oh, no, there was no, there was no, is this okay with you? It was just like, well, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. And it just kept happening. And then they go to sleep. They roll over and go to sleep. 
At which point they wake up and here we get our wacky whose apartment am I in moment where both of them are claiming it's their apartment. Um, and which point we sort of find out at some point <laughs> way later. They actually drop it for a little bit. They're like, whose apartment am I in? Fuck it. And then they don't talk about it for a while. <laughs> she makes breakfast. He's fine with it and a little out of it. They're both like, why is this person in my apartment? And then they just accept it and he takes a nap. Um, oh, he also tells her, if it tur- let me know if you're pregnant. Because if it turns out you're pregnant, we're getting married. And I'm not, I'm not being like, oh, we should get married. I'm telling you right now, we are getting married. And subsequent chapters end with him saying, whether or not you want to, we're going to get married. Mm-hmm. And then also we find out later. So he knows that she's just come in from the city and he has an ex-wife who was from the city and then ended up leaving because she didn't want to live in the small town. So he's like, oh, girls from the city leave. So he's like, okay, yeah, if she's pregnant. She's going to, we're going to get married. She's going to have the baby and she's going to leave. And I'm going to make sure that I have custody. I'm like, so you want to steal this lady's baby? He's trying to steal a baby. Yeah, literally he has no thoughts. So his priorities are if she gets pregnant, get her married so that the baby is born within wedlock, divorce her because she's going to divorce me anyway and take full custody of the baby. Take the baby. That is also it has to be said. His name is Fitz. His full name is actually Faulkner Fitzgerald Hall. <laughs> Why? Why? I don't know for uh, pretending to be smart reasons. Yeah. Uh yeah, no, that was uh, so he wants to steal her baby that he's pretty sure she's pregnant with because mm-hmm. this was another book where we have a man mansplain a woman her period and her mm-hmm. her bodily functions mm-hmm. because she's also a virgin and so she obviously doesn't know her body at all i will say for this book because she she's 29 and a virgin and someone's like why are you a virgin and she's like well my aunt was very strict and very religious and i was never good enough for her and like something that was really important to her was that i would wait until i was married and i felt like that was like one of the very few things that i could do that she would like approve of or that would be good enough for her and then since then i was finishing my business degree so i was really busy and I'm like, okay, I kind of buy it. I kind of buy it. It's, here's the thing with me. I buy anybody's sexual choices, like virginity or whatever. Like, fine. Like, In I am re- perfectly fine with it. And, like, that the, this is how they decided to explain this particular trope that we have again and again found awful. Fine. I yeah. guess I'll accept it. The, the thing is, though, in real life, yes. Your choices are your choices, etc. But the thing that irks me is that in these books, it's like there's the the subtext of oh, it can only be real, pure, true love if he's your first, and that is false and dumb. So, and we see like we've seen like fully grown, actualized women, all of all of them, all almost every single woman in these books are all virgins. And I'm like, uh, be- because, I don't know, because, like, for dumb reasons, for dumb, like, puritanical reasons. And I would say, like, this book continues that trend because of all the books we read that could be secretly 
MAGA books, I want to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is definitely one of them. Like, it's, uh, she shows up and, um, like, <laughs> Uh, she is a kind of a hippie girl in that she's a, she's a vegetarian. She likes, um, uh, she likes incense and crystals and, you know, she's very big on like making her own teas and he's constantly worried that she's going to be laughed right out of Shirley, Wyoming for all of this. And all I keep thinking is she's like every vaxxer influencer I've seen online, like anti-vaxxer influencer. Like she's, she's like a hippie. I grow my children naturally. I'm going to have as many of them as possible. All of my chicken is farm raised. Everything I put in my body is natural because it's a temple here. I have this tea. Sure. I smoke pot every once in a while, but also I'm voting for Donald Trump. Like mm-hmm. this is. <laughs> and I put like, Jade up my hoo-ha. Yeah, no, and I was like, I don't know, this, and, like, the more, like, this went through, like, so she's upset that he says we're going to get married, and she's like, how dare he just assume that? And I'm like, oh, good job, okay, maybe she's going to fight against that, but she, she's like, and she's like, I can do what I want with this baby, um, and I'm going to have it. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, so we're actually not going to. <laughs> have a discussion about what I want means. No. And also, f- she doesn't get a pregnancy test this whole book. And I don't know why. I don't know why she doesn't go to the doctor. I don't know why she doesn't take a pregnancy test. No. Um. I mean, they don't talk about it, but I know why she didn't get a pregnancy test. Uh, uh, but they don't ever say it in the book. And that was also frustrating. You cannot detect you are pregnant until two weeks after your period your period was supposed to happen so like for most so Mm. she was not expecting her period for a while so and then when her period came like even once like you have like this is the time my period was supposed to happen Mm -hmm. um you're technically supposed to wait two more weeks before that pregnancy test shows that you're pregnant which is also a problem with detecting if you're pregnant for abortion reasons Mm -hmm. so like if she was going to get an abortion like and her periods are just normally out of whack she may not know when she needs to take that test to be sure and so she would just be taking like lots and lots and lots of tests and they would show up not pregnant not pregnant not pregnant for a long time and then suddenly Mm. show up pregnant if she was okay i sure but also i feel like if i were potentially pregnant i'd call a doctor almost immediately and be like is there anything i should know a doctor will tell you the same thing the doctor will say the exact same thing there's no blood test until after you've shown up pregnant on a pee test anyway like all the movies have told everybody wrong (laughs) 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 like like one of the big things like every movie every play you ever see in lots of books will be like oh my god i threw up could i be pregnant and i mean that's how we radio it in almost every one of these books that we've read right and yeah maybe and like that is actually the one thing i liked about this book because later she gets grumpy and she's like uh in pain and um throwing and feeling like nauseous and he's like oh my god you're pregnant and she's like no this is how my periods are <laughs> <laughs> and he's like oh really she's like yeah these are all my periods and i was like one if that's how all your periods are you know when your last period was you remember because i have periods like that <laughs> and i'm like I remember last uh, three Tuesdays ago, I was 100% in bed. 
<laughs> and I could not get out and I had to cancel work that day. So like you just, you know, like that's or it's like, I don't remember because my periods are so out of, you know, like they're not in sync mm. with each other. Like I mm-hmm. can't. So like, which is what I suspect hers are like. So like you could go 48 days would you you know normally like the outside is like 38 days but like Mm -hmm. 48 days without your period and that's totally normal and then the next time it's 28 days and you're like (laughs) what to do with myself (laughs) so that is the one thing i appreciate about this book which is also why i was like talk more about like when you can take a pregnancy test but everything else about this book i hated um so they figure out oh oh my god we're so i so they finally discover what has happened in that she thought this whole apartment belonged to her dead uncle grandfather and um and like and that she was throwing the stuff out when really our man Fitz was renting it from him. And so that was actually Fitz's stuff. And so it is Fitz's apartment that he's renting and that he was renting from this guy. And so here's what that's where the wacky mix up came in. And so now they've had sex. He's threatened her with marriage and, mm-hmm. um, and to steal her baby and to steal her baby. And so now she's got to go talk to the lawyer uh, the lawyer in a scene we don't get the lawyer tells her all of her family history that she didn't know and then one of the most frustrating things ever happens she comes back to the apartment and she's like Fitz you knew and he's like I did know I'm sorry I didn't feel like it was my story to, my story to tell you and she's like look I just feel so confused could you tell it to me again and I'm like well, why didn't we just get that scene? But then here's the thing. So he says, of course, go ahead, sit down. And she's like, please tell me, tell me about my family history. And he's like, you're just, you can't remember it because you were confused. And that's okay. Sometimes like, you know, like stress, like when something stressful happens, you know, like you go into shock. She's like, well, but tell me. And he's like, "Uh, you know, I, this is uncomfortable for me. Are you okay? And he's just tell me, oh, I'd like to tell you, but I don't, you know, tell me. She asked him five times in a row with nothing else. And she's no other, she's saying nothing else. There's no (laughs) other things. And he finally decides, well, how can he say no to that pretty face? And like, fuck you. How could you say no to a person who's demanding that you tell her about her family? (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then the, there were parts too, cause like all of this was written down. She had a letter and then he'd be like, oh, and then this and this. And she'd be like, oh, yes. And it said in the letter that. I'm like, okay, listen. Okay. What I think happened is the writer was like, oh, it would be boring to just have this letter. We need to have her like react to it. And it would be boring if it were the lawyer. So it should be her reacting to it with fits. How do I make that happen? Oh, I know. I'll just make her look like an idiot. Yeah. Like, ugh. Yeah. And, uh, so please explain letters to me Fitz. I forgot what reading is even though I now own a bookstore. Cuz I'm a sexy baby. Cuz I'm a sexy baby. So finally She is also like 5 foot 3. She's 5 foot 3 and he's 6 foot she's five foot nothing and he's six foot everything. Yeah, um, and there's also a point where she talks about how her boobs are just too damn big. 
oh my god and he's <clears throat> she's like i don't know if he'll like me with these big boobs <laughs> it's like yeah he's gonna like you just fine and mm-hmm. even like the first thing he does is push them together go anyway all the ladies are dumb dumbs in this book uh and except for lily Lily's great. Lily is um so Harry is the uncle grandpa and he had left the apartment to move in with his girlfriend Lily who then came in and was like and something that I really appreciate is that she was sort of cuz she had worked at the shop so she was there to sort of like show Rhiannon who goes by Ree uh to show Ree around. Ree around? Anyway, um and it, the narrative is like, oh, yeah. And unlike Fitz and unlike the lawyer, Lily isn't assuming that she's going to leave at some point. She's yeah. like, okay, here are things you need to know. And then we find out also that Harry died while having sex with Lily. Yes. And then they have a good chuckle about it. That was that was excellent. Um, so at this point, Fitz and Ree begin a sort of on-again, off-again flirtation. Uh, Fitz is sometimes, we see sometimes his cop stuff. We see him, so we meet more of Fitz's family. He's got two brothers, two sisters, and uh, his brothers are obviously the focus of other romance novels. <laughs> yeah, this book is part of a series that, and it's not advertised what series it is, so I don't even know how to find the other ones. Uh, no. yeah. So, um, but obviously the two brothers at least have their own, like one is like he married is, you know, owns a ranch and it's the family ranch and he brings in a girl from Virginia, mm-hmm. the, a yeah. big city girl, apparently from Virginia. <laughs> and um, then, um, <laughs> Allison are the, fr- I think the first book. Yeah. So, and then they get married and she's already pregnant. And then the next book is obviously going to be about the younger brother who was a stuntman in Hollywood, got a lady knocked up and now has her baby. Because she died. Because she died. He didn't steal her baby. He didn't steal her baby. (laughs) But apparently in this universe, if you're a mother, you're going to die. I I mean like this book is all about dudes raising kids and not women. Yeah. Which is real weird, but okay. <laughs> like ladies are not trustworthy in this book. Mm-hmm. Ladies that is a huge thing in this book. There's only like there are a minimum number of reasons to to trust women. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. is awkward reading that. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Anyway, then a large part of this part of the book was pretty darn boring. Um, Until page 102. Well, hold on. <laughs> so, uh, was pretty darn boring. We go to the ranch. There's a party at the ranch. Uh, and that's nice. She meets an old guy at the ranch. And uh, he's on a horse. And he's he says, you know, some interesting things that stick in her mind and didn't stick in mind because this seemed like a boring thing that happened. That's we will come back to it. He's our first ghost. Yes. But well, I didn't know that. Wait, no. And the thing is that I think we're meant to have picked up on that because Al- there's a scene where Allison talks about ghosts because apparently we find out later there's like, so um, crazy Jack Hall 
started the Crazy H Ranch, which is where the, the which is the family ranch. And apparently, and this is also the first time we're getting into cowboys. FYI, yeah, like, our, our our cowboy in this book is not a cowboy. N- no, he he does wear a Stetson sometimes, and, and he does boots. have cowboy boots. Mm-hmm. But I will say, the author of this book never wore a Stetson and never put on cowboy boots because those boots come off like their sneakers which is not how cowboy boots come (laughs) off it is not easy to take off cowboy boots and stetsons are not things you just throw upon the ground when you come home (laughs) nobody has ever done that to a stetson because stetsons are expensive fucking hats Mm -hmm. also he lives in an apartment (laughs) yeah you can't be a cowboy if you live in an apartment and he he and he didn't do cowboy things until yeah page 125 or something. He didn't do any cowboy things. He anyway, just got on a horse one time. Yeah, that one time. So uh, Crazy Jack Hall and his uh, Native American wife built the ranch, and now the ghosts show up. And apparently, like they only show up to people in the family. And apparently, at some point in the previous book that we didn't read the the great great grandmother showed up to allison before she even met the brother so that was like the sign that she was going to marry into the family because the ghosts knew it before she did so we find out i think if we had read the first book and she's like oh i'm talking to this man and then he disappeared and she and then she was talking to fitz later and she's like oh yeah i met this guy Fitz was like, that's not someone. And he's like, she described what he looked like. And he was like going through his mind of like, that's not a person that we know. And he's like, oh, well, there's old Sam, but he has short (laughs) hair. Maybe he wore a hat and she got confused. And I highlighted that. I was like, yeah, dumb, dumb ladies with their dumb, dumb lady brains don't know what hats are. (laughs) (sighs) I hate it. Oh, man. (laughs) Why your head so tall fits oh that's just my hat what's a hat <laughs> dumb dumb i hate it so anyway they have a lovely time at this at this like family meeting she meets mm-hmm. all the family they all love her there's still some confusion about whether or not she's gonna stay that's when we find out that he had absolutely no idea that she's a vegetarian despite the fact that they've hung out almost every night because he didn't what get to know her at all oh yeah but it's ask... fine because they fuck all the time so that well, means it's gonna a solid relationship all the food yeah and he kept going like oh there's no meat in this food this isn't real soup. There's no meat, not even in the broth. Like he mentioned, although I did wonder what the hell was in her lasagna because she made lasagna and it didn't mention it being a vegetable lasagna. <laughs> I have a friend that makes a really good soy rizzo lasagna. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know that it's not. No, you wouldn't uh, know that I'm totally on board, but it mm-hmm. mentioned f- meat, no, the non-meat substitute every time she cooked. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, I'm like... Mm-hmm. It would have. And then I was like, does this person not know there's normally meat and lasagna? <laughs> I mean, maybe. Also, sorry, there's one part where they're they're like going out to dinner together in this small town called Shirley. And they're like, how do you feel about Korean? And I was like, we have not heard a single Korean name in this whole book. That food is going to be fucking awful. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm surprised. Every town in America has a Chinese restaurant. Every town. Doesn't yeah. matter. Every single town. Uh fewer towns have a korean restaurant (laughs) Mm -hmm. so i'm interested we'll see what goes and i've been to wyoming (laughs) and i will say 
Even their American food doesn't taste great. <laughs> Sorry, Wyoming. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Wyoming. All your food is terrible. <laughs> Maybe I just went to bad restaurants. No. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so uh so they get so you know they have they're having more sexy times they're having good Mm -hmm. times stuff is happening and uh she finds out she's not pregnant because she has her period uh they're both a little disappointed by this because they're both falling in love a little bit and they were kind of hoping for a reason because nobody Mm -hmm. can just say feelings we have to have a reason she's like oh in her mind she's like well i'm disappointed maybe because i did want a baby and i have no plans to like get with anybody right now so maybe i should just have a baby she thinks in her head before that though she thinks to herself i don't want to get married because i have freedom for the first time in my life and if i'm if i'm married that means i'll be tied to someone and i won't have that freedom but i want a baby i'm like i'm sorry what you can leave a husband you can't leave a baby girl right (laughs) you're stuck with that baby you're stuck with that baby and at least you can go out to dinner with a husband you can't go anywhere with that baby for the first while like anyway talking about so she's thinking to herself let's have a baby girl and so because she's a dumb dumb because women be dumb dumbs in this book Mm -hmm. um she was wearing a hat and she thought he was a different person hard to say she turns to him and says hey i kind of want a baby actually would you give me your sperm and that way i'll have one and he was and now this question is rude i will grant him this that question out of the blue after pregnancy scare is in fact rude but two Instead of saying something like that, he yells at her, you're just trying to trap me in marriage and you'll never get me. And then he runs out of the room. <laughs> and all I kept thinking was, you were trying to trap her into marriage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are, are, what are you fucking kidding me? You're the problem here, bud. You like, she's just going along with what your ideas were. She's just like, all right, so this guy's down for babies, so this should be fine. Um, <laughs> and, like, she carries DFB, it to the next... down for babies. Down for babies. And so then he's like, and then he yells at her, you're trying to trap me in a marriage, and runs out of the room. And I'm like, that was awkward and it very was, weird. Like, yeah, there was, like, a fitz-shaped hole in the wall and everything. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, like I trap you in marriages, not the other way around. <laughs> you can't trap me. You're a dumb, dumb lady. And then he threw his hat off, which is like, who are you, strange man? Should we have sex now? <laughs> so she goes down to the bookstore to cry it out. Um, and there appears before her, her uncle grandfather. And in his ghostly form and he's like girl you fucked up and i was like that's the first words out of your goddamn mouth (laughs) yeah that whole point of that scene was hey woman asking for what you wanted how very fucking dare you now you've lost this man because you wanted something and asked him for it how fucking dare you that was that scene that was that whole scene pretty much i mean yeah you know like tonally he said it quote unquote nicer like they had a conversation ish but yeah no it all came down to like why didn't you take his feelings into account uh his and like it's like you tried to destroy his whole being by just asking to maybe have a baby with him Mm -hmm. and 
instead you, of having a discussion, he he because you like manded out that, of the room because you asked something that went against his morals. That means that you were negating him as a person, and it's your fault, lady. For wanting a thing and not taking his feelings into consideration. When at the very beginning of the book, he took exactly zero of your feelings into consideration. But it's fine because he's six feet tall and sexy. So he can do it. And you can't with your uterus and your dumb, dumb lady brain. Yep. So at which point she's like, I have to go after him. Um, Mm -hmm. And now this is the point where he's just he's off at the ranch and he's riding out his feelings on a horse. And then it's like, maybe I shouldn't ride in the snow because it's snowing and that seems, and it's dark and it's night. Maybe this is all a bad idea. Um, <laughs> 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 because you floats off of the ground shows up. Oh, She's, not yet. Not yet. Oh, she doesn't show up okay. yet. First, we cut back to Re, who's decided like. I have to go after him. So she's gotten into a car. I don't, she didn't even have a car before. She just got into a car. No, she didn't. No, here's the thing. Here's the thing about the car. Her car, she, it was like this little beat up compact sedan, but she's like, I stick out because everybody here has giant trucks. But like, this is one of the very few things, very first things that was only mine. So I'm going to keep this car right. until it falls now apart. I remember. So it's, it is a symbol of her independence. And then what happens? It gets totaled. Oh yeah. Blah, she's blah, driving. Blah, 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 blah. But, yeah. She's driving in the snow towards her love. The car is totaled and it almost there, kills her. There couldn't, there couldn't be a, like the only, the only way that it could have been, more like a stronger metaphor of we need to destroy this woman's independence so she can marry this dude is if like i don't know a ghost stepped out of her and said hello i am Ree's independence and then somebody drove a stake through its heart like <laughs> that's what the that's what was happening when they totaled this car yep. it's like fucking what 100 <sighs> percent and it's at that point the ghost of Fitz's great great grandmother shows up, and it's Songbird, who is um, a Native American woman in moccasins. Um, and you know, it's just the second cowboy we've seen in who can trace his roots back to at least to one lady who was also native american way back but he's still blonde and blue-eyed and like oh god this is not a nice thing (laughs) yeah and oh it makes me upset and uh she doesn't say anything by the way uh she has no words we've already seen two ghosts that in fact can talk (laughs) and uh this one cannot she just waves <laughs> she also is like she's standing perfectly still but floating like a couple feet off the ground and then m- moves through space without moving her body so it's not like she walks or flies she just stands still and like moves with fits so she, it, it's it, it it was really creepy i was picturing it in my head i'm like that's really unsettling yeah so then but they he fits finds re then you know, he's there with her. Uh, she, you know, has to, <laughs> yeah, the ghost lady goes and gets help. Um, <laughs> brings back more of his siblings. They all have to try to, like, man move the car off of Ree's body. <laughs> and then a year later, th- later they're married. <laughs> yeah, and here's the thing. So she's 
relatively unscathed and they're talking and he's like, oh my God, like I almost lost you and I can't stand, I just bought this big house. Like, let's just have babies and I just want to be with you and I'll probably keep asking you to marry me. Just, you know, that's going to happen. So you just got to be okay with that. She's like, okay, yeah, sure. I love it. And he's like, I'm going to ask you now, do you want to marry me? And she's like, yes. Yeah. Because everything that we've established in this book uh, didn't matter. None of it mattered. Right. So very, very quickly before we run out of time, because I'm going to say that that's that book. Here's that book as a horror movie. (laughs) (laughs) A young abused woman uh, gets a mysterious invitation to go to move into a new house. She does. In the middle of the night, she is assaulted by a man who is much larger than her. She's scared and doesn't know what to do. But so she just lets it happen when she she doesn't want to wake him up because she doesn't know what he's going to do. She also and then when she tries, she gets out of the room. She finds that the clothes he's discarded are the clothes of a police officer. Well, now she feels like she definitely can't just leave like it's a tiny town. This man is everywhere. The next morning when he wakes up, he's groggy and a little out of it. And she she doesn't understand like why he's still in her space and he's claiming it's hers. And she's kind of freaking out about it. At which point one of his cop friends shows up. She's alone at the door and she's trying to explain to her that like the cop, you know, Fitz is asleep in the bed and she's trying to start saying like, maybe you need to help me. But that's when Fitz wakes up and he comes out and he's like, <gasps> and, and he's like, don't even pay attention to this lady, which is actually exactly what happens in the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't even pay attention to this lady, at which point she knows that this woman cop is never going to be on her side and she never comes up again. <laughs> Um, and then she's stuck in this apartment for two days with this man because she has nowhere else to go because it's a tiny town and these are all of her worldly possessions now and she doesn't know like what she can do finally on Monday he allows her to go to her attorney where she finds out from the attorney that even he thinks you are stuck in this house and all of your life has been a lie when she comes back she finds out that Fitz this whole time has known this information and has been withholding it from her she doesn't know what to do she feels stuck so she's like fine i'll he's agreed he, you know he's not going to have sex with her anymore but he has said if you are pregnant i am going to take your baby she does not know what to do she feels like she can't leave like maybe she'll like okay like they're not going to have sex again so she feels relatively safe from him she just has to hope she's not pregnant this is all she has all she has in the world is this fucking bookstore so she's there and she's stuck the other women who come into the into her life, like this woman who was like with her grandfather, like the only way she got out of that relationship was him dying. So she comes back and she's perfectly happy and excited now and so happy to have another woman nearby. Like the fiance of one of Fitz's uh, or the, the new wife of one of Fitz's brothers comes by and she looks dazed and absolutely confused and she's pregnant and she's just like, just don't tell the brothers yet. And then she leaves the bookstore also a little freaked out and she's like what am I supposed to do she goes to the the family ranch one night because she's just sort of forced to by this whole like thing and she started to think like maybe a lot of this was in my head maybe I'm making a lot of this up when she turns a dark corner there's a man on a horse standing there and he's laughing and telling her you'll stay you'll stay forever she's like oh my god what is this what is going on and just then Fitz comes behind her and is like there was nobody there and she's like I'm fucking freaking out about all this <laughs> at which point she's like Fitz okay look maybe to get out of this maybe I should just give you a baby 
fuck it fine get me pregnant let me leave and he's like oh you're not getting out that way and then he slams the door on her and she's like fuck i really don't know what to do at which point a second ghost shows up and tells her that there is no way out there's no way out so she does the last thing she thought she could which is get in her shitty ass car and just start driving but the snowstorm comes and there's nothing she can do and then as, as her car crashes she thinks this is it. I'm going to die. And there's a small amount of relief in her body, just the smallest amount. And then she closes her eyes only to wake up and see Fitz there telling her it'll all be okay. And the men in, in the family lift the car off of her body and she's perfectly fine. And he's like, don't worry, you'll be here forever. I'll ask you to marry me until you say yes. She says yes. And the lights go out. Mm-hmm. That was that book. That was that book. <laughs> it was literally that book. That was Crazy for the Cowboy by <laughs> Cindy Spencer Pape. Bragging Rights by Kenna White. Taylor Fleming is a 36-year-old Texas rancher who covets her independence enough to keep her life simple. No strings attached. As partner to her father's vast cattle ranch, she has enough to keep her busy without taking on a serious relationship with any of the women who clamor for her attention. When a neighboring aging rancher uh, fills the Fleming's life with aggravation and vandalism, Taylor is forced to confront the old man's estranged daughter, Jen Holland, but convincing Jen to intervene becomes another task entirely. After an accident leaves Taylor with an imposed bed rest, her cowgirl independence is tested to the limit. Soon Jen is facing an ultimatum to keep her father's property from being sold on the courthouse steps. Jen must dust off her nursing skills and take on a job she never could have anticipated, being the caregiver for stubborn Taylor Fleming. Well, that's what that book says it's about. Mm -hmm. Neil, mm-hmm. is that what that book is about? That is that is fairly accurate. Yes. Um, okay, right off the bat, we have to talk about that this book has not one, but two, oh my God, it's you moments. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why there were two, but there were two. Okay. Okay. So, Taylor, who is actually a cow person a real cow person a real (laughs) real cow person a real rancher knows all about stetsons and cowboy boots knows all about stetsons and cowboy boots and also something that i really appreciated about this book both in terms of like raising cattle and then also when we get to like nursing taylor back to health from her injury this book does not shy away from like the the like the messy stuff like it it tells us yeah parts of that farm fucking stink and like you know though the baby cows are goopy because they just fell out of a vagina and and then also like there are a lot of moments dedicated to um with taylor recovering from her injury like needing to use a bedpan and that she can't do it by herself so she needs help using a bedpan and like what that means to her and all that stuff. So I appreciated that. Yeah. That um all of this either either this writer has had such a very specific life or is really good at researching stuff. Oh man. I definitely like one like this felt like 
what it is like i don't know what it's like to be on a ranch but mm-hmm. like this felt like what it was like and i could mm-hmm. feel how it would be hard work and i could mm-hmm. feel how it's like lucrative but also something you pour your entire life into very quickly and like like and also like how it could be like soul fulfilling how you could really enjoy the work and it's not work i would enjoy this is not work that i would like Mm-mm. but i could see why they did mm-hmm. and i could see why like and it, it created me in an empathy for the work which i thought mm-hmm. no other cow sh- cow show <laughs> i've ever like has really done that it just looks at all the nice things like <laughs> look at the vast prairie land which is beautiful to look at isn't it lovely being on a horse look how many cows there are with their big eyes mm-hmm. <laughs> like, which we do get all of that but then yeah. we also get like it's hard and you're sweaty and gross most of the time and everything kind of stinks because animals are stinky. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So Taylor and uh, her father run a very successful ranching um, business and uh, she lives in the original ranch house and then her dad, when she was growing up, had built a more modern house i kind of like that that she's like and this ranch is big enough it's like a 20 minute drive from one end of it to the other so she has her into she's like this is her life she lives on the ranch but then she also has a a modicum of independence you know like she has her own place it's like a three bedroom two bath or something like that um so and then so we see they're on the ranch and they're dealing with the fact that their neighbor rowley holland um keeps cutting into their fence and taking some of their cattle and so taylor's and taylor's dad is just like so fed up with it and taylor's like oh i'll go talk to him blah 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 and then it's like oh he doesn't know who i am he has not bathed himself things are not well with rowdy so she's like okay Mm -hmm. well and then they like were able to track down a daughter through the sheriff's office who lives in san antonio and Taylor's like, oh, I was already going to San Antonio this weekend, so I'll look her up and be like, hey, come take care of your dad, et cetera, et cetera. So then Taylor meets up with too many friends. Uh, <laughs> too many friends to keep track of. Too many, it was like five friends, which in real life, it's like, yeah, go out and have five friends that you go out to this this gay bar with every month. But they only show up like one more time and we got so much backstory about each of these friends. They're like, I don't know who these, I can't keep these people straight, no pun intended. And then they only show up one more time. I knew it too. I'm like, I don't need to invest in these friends. Anyway, so she sees from across the bar this gorgeous woman with this long blonde hair and she's just like so enamored of her. And I can't remember if they actually talk or she just like sort of like eyes her across the bar or whatever and then um i think they did dance i don't remember it's not important anyway at one point she's standing at the bar about to order a drink and she's like scanning the crowd trying to find this beautiful blonde um and someone taps her on the shoulders like oh hey can you move i need to order the bar and taylor's basically like fuck off asshole uh to someone that she like she doesn't even turn around she's just like fuck off asshole and then the person's like um you're the asshole and then taylor turns around and it's the beautiful blonde oh no she done fucked it up and then she hooks up with like this woman in the parking lot that 
they obviously like hook up when she's in town and Taylor's like, I want more than just casual flings. Though I will say if you're renting a motel, that's walking distance from this bar that you go to all the time. You 100% maybe, just want casual flings. Yeah. Maybe that's what you're setting. You're setting your weekend up for that. So like, just be prepared that that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and I, I think kind of what I liked about that moment is that because before that she does say in her head like she's just not the girl who wants like a long-term romance. She's totally just like she likes the like hit it and quit it sort of thing. But then like it's like here in this moment it like watching this woman like put her purse on and just walk away was sort of like a revolu- revelation moment for her like mm-hmm. oh, maybe I don't like this. Mm-hmm. This isn't nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and it did feel like she was just wanted for like what she could do for somebody else, but not really like who she was as a person. And it like mm-hmm. you could tell that really hurt. Yeah. Yeah. So she's, you know, reevaluating her life. Well done. And then uh, she runs her errands in San Antonio, including hooking up with some lady and mm-hmm. then is able to track down uh, Rowdy Holland's daughter who we we find out has an art studio in her garage and she's a metal sculptor and it's the blonde from the bar yes oh no the hot blonde from the bar is a welder and like that's like that's fucking hot (laughs) and then also like okay two things two things in the scene that kind of got to me one is that like so apparently rowdy and his wife couldn't have kids so they adopted Jen and she lived on the ranch for a few years and then they got divorced and it's just like she went with her mom and left and it it seemed unclear to me how much contact they had been in over the years so the fact that she has this like feeling of obligation to like to to take care of Rowdy on the one hand I do get it on the other hand it's like I'm just kind of ambiguous about their relationship and that's like important for her character development of the, the book so anyway um and then another thing that really irked me is that in this scene where all all that needs to happen is for Taylor to say hey you're Rowdy Holland's daughter right Listen, he's causing problems. Also, I don't think he can take care of himself anymore. I think you should check up on him and, like, make arrangements. That's all that needed to happen. Yeah. But they just kept asking accusatory questions at each other for, like, three and a half pages. Nobody made a statement for, like, three and a half pages. I mean, I kind of liked that they were angsty with each other. I kind of, you know, that was fun. I liked that there was obviously like a history between the families that Taylor was like oblivious to because she's the family of privilege in this situation. Like she was the one with stable family relationships. She was the one with like the bigger ranch and more money. <laughs> stable, like, a family that is stable and a stable family relationship. But I'm bumped. I'm so funny. <laughs> What's a hat? <laughs> so like both of these things you could tell like that's um, like, you know, so that Taylor doesn't get 
where this other woman is coming mm-hmm. from because she's never been in this fucking situation. She's never actually had to take care of a human before. Mm-hmm. So she does. She can't understand somebody who maybe has feelings about taking care of other human beings. And like, so I really liked parts of that interaction a whole mm-hmm. lot. But then other so but so then when it kind of eased into Taylor like looking at the sculpture and commenting on it, it still sounded angry. And I was it like, did. this isn't angry though. Like this is like, <laughs> so what do you fucking call this? Sculpture and art? Is this your art? And she's like, Yeah, this is my art. She's like, I like it, it's good. <laughs> yeah, it is Thanks. good. I'm amazing. And she's like, What, can I touch this? Don't touch it, it'll hurt you. Ow, it is on fire. You know, what I mean? she's like, Why are we still yelling at each other? <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah. And all like all the things you spoke to, Claire, about like the dynamic, like the hidden dynamic, the very nuanced dynamics of like them being from their families. And that was there and that was great. But then also just like yeah, it looks really good. I'm going to touch it. Don't touch it. It's hot. Oh, my God. I touched it, and it's hot. I told you that it's hot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyway, so then um, basically Jen, Rowdy's daughter, is like, okay, if I promise to go check up on him, will you leave me the hell alone? And Taylor's like, yeah. And Jen's like, okay, great. See you never. And Taylor's like, yeah, see you never. That's foreshadowing, <laughs> listeners. Um, so then... The other thing I wasn't sure, honestly, what was supposed to happen was they're like, um, I'll make her talk to her dad. It was like, and then what the fuck is supposed to happen then? Have you ever been able to control your father and make him do a thing? Like, right. but not then also, steal shit anymore? Like, what is... Right, what, but what that was, also, I mean, like, touching on your point earlier, that speaks to Taylor's character. It's just like... You do the thing you're supposed to do. Everyone else does the thing that they're supposed to do and everything works out. Like, that's very much her her view of the world. She she was like, oh, well, Jen is his daughter, so she'll, like, understand what that means and, like, step up to the duty of. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, she was like... Also... <laughs> I don't, I don't know, other than plot reasons, I don't know why she didn't just call her, but, you know, whatever, it's fine. So then, okay, this, oof, this part is rough. So Jen is transporting a horse, something, a horse, tra- she has a horse trailer attached to her truck and um, is taking a, a back road that's not serviced regularly and then she gets a flat on the horse trailer and then because she's because she's stubborn instead of being like oh i should like call someone oh also secret theme for this episode that i didn't even realize both of these books were written in 2007 oh my god sort of cell phone times yeah well i could kind of tell with the the first book that it was not cell phone times but like maybe it was published a little after cell phone times had started Mm mm-hmm um, with this book, I was like, no, that it, that feels right. 2007 feels really right for this mm-hmm. book. Like that, yeah. it feels like it was set in that time. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there was the, the part where, um, Taylor was thinking like, oh yeah, we still brand our cattle. It's so much more efficient and like gives us better information if we microchip our cows. And I'm trying to convince my dad to do that, but he won't. So when I take over so anyway, so instead of either, using her cell phone, which she may or may not have had, or like 
going to get help. Taylor's like, I'm going to do this by myself. And then the, she's in a kind of in a ditch. She falls in a ditch on the side of the road. And then the trailer falls on her and breaks both of her legs real bad. And then she passes out. And because she hits her head on a rock. <laughs> It was rough. It was grim. I was like, holy fucking shit. Like, I had read the back of this book. I forgot that she got injured. And so when that happened, I was like, oh, no. It was a very (laughs) unpleasant surprise. (laughs) So then she wakes up and she's like, she has these giant casts on her legs. And um, she's like, okay, great. Uh, I'm going to go home now. And everyone's like, no girl what are you talking we had to there's a metal plate in one of your legs we had to do surgery on you you're not going anywhere it's like i don't want to be here anymore and they're like well tough titties meanwhile jen has gone to uh has put rowdy in a home and has spoken to the county because apparently he hasn't paid his like taxes in three years or something and essentially uh Jen is told very condescendingly, like, you have to raise this amount of money in the next, like, three weeks or something, or we're, like, selling off your dad's land and house and everything in it. And she's like, no, he'd never want that to happen. I need a fucking job. And then she's overhears a woman be like, we don't have any, like, nurses that are free to be a live-in nurse. And Jen's like, well, I became a registered nurse when I had to take care of my mom who got very sick. I can do that. And I need money. So then she has another. And that that moment was like something I was like, that's what I needed for her backstory. I didn't need all. I didn't need it to be as crazy family wise as it mm-hmm. was in the other book, which was mm-hmm. also seems to be a th- secret theme. But like <laughs> it, she we could have just started with she had to take care of her mom who was dying and, you know, she, she became a nurse. And after her mom died, she was so sad about it. And also wanted her freedom. She became an artist and left that behind. Like mm-hmm. that, I just why couldn't we just have that up front instead of it being a surprise? She was a nurse. How convenient. Uh, I don't know, girl. Um, so then she has another conversation where she's condescending to like shit, and she, so she walks into this lady's office and was like, "Oh, I heard you need a nurse." And but it was a, a certain acronym. It was like a CRN. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, "Oh, I heard you. You need a CRN." And the lady's like. I'm sorry, sweetie. Do you know what a CRN is? Like, fuck you, lady. I don't know who you are. We all hate you. Goodbye. Anyway. (laughs) So then Jen's like, here's my accreditation. Here's my experience. And you need someone and I'm here. So then she gets set up. So then she goes in to meet this patient who magically nobody says the patient's name. And then she walks into the, the hospital room. And then it's our second, oh shit, you moment. Yeah, it was it was very silly. Um, And then they sort of blah, blah, blah. They the arrangements are made so that Taylor or that Jen goes back to Taylor's house and they like set it up so that Taylor stays upstairs in or Jen stays upstairs in Taylor's actual bedroom. And then there's an extra bedroom downstairs where they put the hospital equipment and everything. Um, And then, okay, two things that I really enjoyed were one. Um, even though Taylor was kind of obnoxious while she was in the hospital and like fighting everyone every step of the way, it also made it feel so very real that like everybody was trying to like, not baby her, but everybody was, was sort of like being like very, very, very attentive 
in a way that she only found frustrating because she was frustrated right. in her situation. And like what it like we've established she loves to go out and ride her horse. She loves to wrestle her cows. And now she's stuck in this in these two enormous casts. She has no mobility and can't do anything by herself for the next three months or something. And just like everybody who should have been like her doctor was a condescending asshole. So it's like the medical professionals were not being supportive in the way that they needed to. Her mom was being overly supportive. And I was just like, Oh my God, I feel so fucking frustrated because I know I would feel the exact same way in this situation. Good job author. Yeah. Every time someone asks, what do you want? She's like, I want to get out of here. Like, what what the fuck do you mean what i want i want oh can i get you anything like, yeah release papers <laughs> like i need to leave i've told you this 30 times already <laughs> and um so the other thing that i like is pretty soon in taylor and jen are like okay listen i don't like you you don't like me we're stuck together and we're just going to have to make the best of it. And so there are moments where they kind of fight each other, but then also bit by bit as they become more comfortable with each other, then the, like the zingers come in. And then for a lot of this book, their banter is really great. Yeah. And we also see that Jen is very good at her job. And one thing is like, Oh, I like Taylor can't have alcohol. And there's one, this is one. Oh my God. Um, the there's a scene where like because of course taylor the whole time is like i'm not a baby i don't need to be treated like a baby blah 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 so there's a scene where they're like kind of riffing on that in like a fun way and then um taylor like turned on the tv and of course it's daytime tv so the only thing watchable is sesame street and jen is like oh would you like some milk and cookies with your with your sesame street and then taylor's like if i watch uh reruns of Gunsmoke, can i have some whiskey <laughs> it was good the banter the banter in this book was good there was some good one-liners in there it, it was fun like it and it felt like you could see the movement of the the relationship from them being very antagonistic to like, you know, sort of a, a, a detente where they're like, we just, we have to put up with it. Like, Oh, actually I kind of enjoy this person's company. I see qualities in them that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. So it was a really nice progression of that. Um, and then, Oh God, there's one point. Oh my God. Kelly or um, Jen was like, I have to, I have to go run errands in town. Are you going to be fun by yourself? And, and Taylor's like, Oh, Lexi, Lexi, who's the older lesbian uh, ranch hand who was great. um, Came over and Taylor's like, Oh, Lexi's going to watch me. It's fine. And then while Jen was away, Taylor and Lexi cleared out this like storage room to make it an art space for her so she can work on her, her commissions that she has coming up. And Jen was just like, Oh my God, this is bigger than my studio at home. So very sweet. And another thing that I really enjoyed. So we see Jen's on again, off again, ex show up Kelly. Oh God. I hated that bitch. Kelly is a monster. She's a horrible person. She's a horrible person. She comes in and is just like, you know, oh, hey, aren't you cool there, Taylor? I have to talk to Jen. She'll be fine without you. Bye. And basically, like, Kelly was like, 
you took this gig out here in the middle of nowhere and left town and didn't really tell me. And like, that's something we should have talked about, but she's a monster about it. And she's like, well, is this, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Taylor's like, leave me alone. Like, this is my life. I'm doing my thing. Just like, leave me the fuck alone. And then Kelly's like, oh, I love it when you pretend to be angry like this and like pushes her up against a building and tries to kiss her. And Taylor's like, like forcibly kisses her, like actually does. And they like, Jen has to push her away and be like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Never do that again. And then, and then Kelly's like, oh, is this about Nora or some other lady? Because it turns out that, of course, Kelly cheated on Jen and blah, blah, blah. And like, currently has her in, like, in the in town. The next like, town brought over. Her, brought her up here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was a whole thing. But then, what I, I appreciated the, like, little southernisms that were in here. Because... <laughs> Because at one point, Jen was like, if you show up here again, I'm going to snatch you bald-headed, Kelly. Oh, God, I loved that. <laughs> it was so good. It was a really good stand-up-for-yourself scene. Um, so then, when... Oh, and then, like, Kelly... Or Jen says to Kelly, like, yeah, I took this job because I needed the money. And Jen realizes that Kelly didn't ask her why. Like, Kelly doesn't ask any follow-up questions. And then when we have scenes with Taylor... Taylor asks those follow-up questions, notices the things that Jen doesn't say, and then also is not a monster. So uh, this is one of the very few books where we see the terrible ex and we see the new love interest and how they are different from each other. (laughs) That they're not the same person, but taller and hotter. (laughs) So I really appreciated that. I really enjoyed it. Um, There were a couple things too, like the bit there's, so we're given the timeline about the auction, like the, the her dad's property being auctioned off, that fizzles out. We kind of don't hear about that. Yeah, and honestly, like I feel like the timing we were given when she was in the city assessor's office was like three days. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Okay, I'll show up with as much money." And then in, I guess what it says, she shows up with like a contract, and they just sort of figure it out because the guy's nice. Mm-hmm. But usually at that point, like no. If if it's going to be auctioned off, it already belongs to the state. Like mm-hmm. it's gone already. There is no transferring it back. There is yeah. no like because what happened is like <laughs> because you don't pay like you're paying the taxes to them, but like you're obviously like there's banks involved and there's other things like the property has already been transferred away from you at that point. Mm -hmm. And if there's, and he said there's an easement on it An easement is something that already belongs to the state or the federal government or somebody else. Like this is a piece of your property that is not your property. Like it's like um, a good example of this would be like um, an electrical pole. If there's an electrical pole in your backyard, that part of your backyard doesn't belong to you. <laughs> like, neither does the air directly above your backyard. <laughs> like, where the power lines are, you can do nothing with it. It's an easement. And so, if your property goes into arrears and it has an easement on it, it is transferred faster <laughs> to the government. <laughs> it's gone. There, there is no her paying it back. All she, what, all she, what, all she can do is go try to bid for it in auction, mm-hmm. and either hope she gets it back cheaper, and then doesn't have to pay her fucking taxes, <laughs> or um, what, what could work out really well is if it makes a ton more money at auction, 
and then it pays off the taxes, the government has to pay her the the, the remainder. Like that money comes back to her. Mm. <laughs> um, and that's kind of where I thought this book was going to go. Yeah. That Because her dad doesn't need that property. He, they need the money from the property mm-hmm. to pay for his expensive senior living facility. To, yeah, to pay the back taxes and his expensive senior living facility. Yeah, I, yeah. So there was... She wanted to keep the land because her dad would have wanted to keep the land and like, I guess, but then it's also like, what are you going to do with it? Like, she's not planning on moving out there. Anyway. She's not um, going to be a cattle rancher. Yeah. And then also there's a, there's a point where it feels like she, she, this, this deal that she worked out with the county or whatever, it feels like there's a point in the book where that happened that she was able to pay it off. Cause by the end of the book, she's talking about like, cause after, Okay. Put a pin in that. We need to... Okay. Rowdy dies. It's We see Rowdy and Jen and how bad the dementia is and how heartful it is for her. And then he dies. And she's very sad about it. And then he, like... He left her everything. But then at that point, it's not necessarily his to leave her. And I was, I was like, but has she paid the thing off yet? Because otherwise, he can't leave her shit. Anyway, there's a scene where... She's like, Taylor, I need you to come with me to like look through the house um, because I don't know if I can do it alone because of, you know, feelings perfectly valid. And then she's like talking about all the things she's going to have to do to like fix up the house. So it's like, oh, I guess she did pay off the money, but we never saw that happen. And I would have really liked to have seen that scene one because it explains plot and like this time constraint that we have and then two then we can have taylor sitting there thinking oh does this mean she's gonna stay can i get involved with this woman will there like so that we can see the sort of glimmer of hope that like maybe she isn't just gonna go straight back to san antonio when the job is done kind of thing and it would have been really nice to see that scene and then also for them to like celebrate and and for for um you know, like Taylor could have had Lexi pick up a bottle of like sparkling cider to celebrate because she's not allowed to have alcohol. And then Jen could be like, maybe just this once. And then they like share a glass of champagne and then they're like feeling a little loose. And then, you know, blah, blah. I would have loved to have seen that scene. It did not exist, but say lovey. Um, so, okay. Okay. Then. 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 It's time to take the casts off. So we go to the doctor's office. We take the casts off and everyone's like, okay, Taylor, here's a cane. You have to use it. I've signed you up for physical therapy. You can't walk everywhere because the muscles in your legs are bad are, are weak from being in this cast for like three months. Um, so just like take it easy, but we're here. You can like, Take a few steps around the room. Don't be a hero. L- use this cane. Lean on the chair. Lean on everything you need to. Just go for it. And she takes a few steps and she's like, oh my God, I have my life back. And then she has this incredible pain in her lower back and she passes out. It turns out she had a blood clot in her spinal nerve and now she's paralyzed. <gasps> <laughs> 
Yes. 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 It like. Oh it, my god. Okay. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm. I. I deeply apologize. I got to exactly sixty percent of this book, and then I had to not read anymore due to circumstances. And I am just finding this out. <laughs> no. After yes. all that work. Yes. And uh, like. I, I mean. Okay, what? I yeah, I don't I don't under I don't understand it. I don't understand this choice. Because like, okay, so then by this point Jen and Taylor are pretty much together. Also, Jen never worries about like the professional repercussions of starting a love affair with one of her patients. That never comes up and I feel like that is an issue. Yeah. Um Especially because there's, there's one point where Lexi catches them. They're like fooling around like the living room or something. And then they hear Lexi who's like, anyone home? And so they like struggle to get clothes back on and, and, and everything. And then they have a conversation with Lexi. And then as Lexi's leaving, she's like, hey, next time you might want to close the curtains. <laughs> <laughs> so like people know, people know what's going on. Anyway, so yeah. So at this point, they're kind of together. Um... And so then, so then, like, so now, obviously, Taylor needs help adjusting to permanent life in a wheelchair. And Jen's going to help her, even though she's not her nurse. Now she's, like, kind of her partner. And I, like, I don't, I don't understand this choice because, like, now the relationship isn't just about love. Now the relationship is always going to be about Jen needing to help Taylor. Right. Which feels weird to me. And then there's also this scene. Okay. Did you read the, the scene where um, Taylor helped Jen ride a horse? No. Okay. So Jen has trauma about riding horses because when she tried it, when she was very young, her dad just screamed at her cause she wasn't doing it right. right. So she's like, yeah. now I'm never riding horses. So then there's a, there's a scene where they have this old show pony or he, like he was in a circus or something and he's very old, very docile. And like he has command words. And if you're like, st- what was his name? It doesn't matter. But if you like stand, then the horse will literally just stand there until you tell him not to. Mm-hmm. So then from sitting on the porch in her wheelchair. And again, this is, this is while she still had the casts on Taylor sort of talked Jen through getting used to the horse. Cause he kind of like wandered over and he's just like munching on flowers. Um, so Taylor talks Jen through like, Oh, this is how you like, pet him to like get him comfortable with you yeah just like feel just like feel the saddle so you know what a saddle feels like just like just touch it and sort of like talks her into like getting up and sort of like riding the horse around and then jen's like i did this i did this for me and i feel great and look how wonderful okay so that it was sweet it was a nice scene it was great and then we also we also get to see taylor be very proud of jen which like we almost never see in these books like also like Taylor is more butch. Jen is more lipstick. She's a bit more femme. So the, like looking at that compared to a like straight relationship we've seen in these, a, lot of, a lot of these books, Taylor is quote the man, which is not the thing, but a very has similar characteristics to a lot of the male characters that we read. How many times have we seen these men be like, I'm proud of you woman. I'm in love with. 
not not often almost never anyway so we have these scenes where taylor's like oh jen i'm so proud of you anyway so after the blood clot and now jen is in the wheelchair and she obviously is very depressed because she also has this like her horse cole that she's like she's like she's in love with this horse and like the life that she can have on this horse and she loves to ride him and like all that stuff and what it means to her and her identity. Anyway, so now she's, of course, very depressed because it's like, oh, well, I'll never ride a horse ever again. I'll never, like, rope a cow or, you know, rustle a calf or whatever. I don't know what they do. Um, so then, okay, Jen but devises this plan where... Before we get to that, like, yes. all of this is very important. Like, all of, like... All of these feelings, adjusting to being a new person and like mm-hmm. but also accepting yourself and finding love in that. Like, I think that's all great. Yeah. Everything but, up to what I'm about to say. I'm like, okay, yeah, I buy it. I get it. I This is a way for them to show support for each right. other. I also wish that started sooner. Like, mm-hmm. why not just have her be paralyzed at the top of the book? Instead of having to go through, like, I mean, I the sense know. of hope and loss is also, like, part of, like, what happens. And it's very realistic. Mm-hmm. And I get it. But, like, ugh, what a trail to take the apparently we through. have to do everything twice. We have two oh shit it's you moments. We have <laughs> two I'll never walk again moments. Like, I don't know. We have to do everything twice here. Okay. Anyway. And then. So then Jen devises this plan where Lexi sort of, like, brings Cole over. And ties him to the porch so that um, Taylor can go out and, like, pet him and stuff. And, of course, Taylor does that thing where she's like, oh, send him away. It's too hot. He can't be in the sun. When really she's, like, can't face the fact that, like, it's it's too painful to, like, see her horse and that she'll never, you know, all that good stuff. And then, like, essentially, like, Jen kind of strong arms taylor into getting the the medical lift and like putting her in the saddle and then having the horse move and for so much like the whole time taylor's like this is not safe you need use of your legs to ride a horse and the thing is too she she has feeling in her legs she just can't move them so if she gets injured in her legs again, she'll feel it. And she'll this whole it. time she keeps saying, this isn't safe. This isn't safe. What the fuck are you doing? This isn't safe. And Jen's like, no, I got it. I got it. And I'm like, what is happening? Until the very, very, very end, then Jen climbs up in the saddle behind her and holds on to her. And she's like, we'll ride him together. I'm like, okay, I, I know what you are going for. We went to, we got there in a very, very strange way. Why not way. just say it? Why not just, well, that I, doesn't need to be girl, a surprise. Girl, you I don't know. Why don't you just surprise people? Like all the time. You can just <laughs> be cool. <laughs> uh, because then, like, yes, because even if, even if Jen had said, I'll be right up there with you, then we can still have the, like, I'm scared both for my safety and for my feelings. We could still have all of those things that happen, but it would have felt less icky because every time Taylor was like, I I can't do this. I can't do this. And Jen was like, okay, if you really don't want to, but I'm here for you. And then Taylor can be like, okay, no, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And then, then it becomes them like working together to support Taylor instead of like, I'm not going to listen to Taylor. I'll just surprise her by being in the saddle with her. It was, it was, it was strange. Right. I mean, and there are like, you can be paraplegic. You can be like, 
um, you know, you can have trouble with your legs and ride a horse. Like, it is possible. Yeah. Um, there's a documentary on Netflix about it right now that's supposed to be good. But, like, uh, you can't force somebody to do it. Mm-mm. That's not okay. Mm-mm. That is... Oh, no. It was... It was... It was bizarre. And I... It was also upsetting because I really enjoyed this book. But that last couple moments was so weird. I was like, what is happening? Also, like... Why is she paralyzed now? It was such a. It felt like such a strange choice. Okay, was there a moment where like Jen chooses to stay because she loves her, or does it always just feel like, well, this is what I signed up for? Um, I. um, Okay, the fact that you have to think about it though makes me feel worried because that should be a really highly romantic moment. Yeah, like it should be big and it should be like. I'm staying like it, I'm yeah, for it you. wasn't it wasn't a conversation but it definitely had the feeling of Jen thinking well I love you and then also isn't it good that I already have this skill set so I can be uh, the person no. to help you no that's not good <laughs> yeah I mean great that's nice but ugh. yeah and um but on the lighter side, um, so of course we have all the, the moments that we expect in a like nursing someone back to health uh, romance where it's like, oh, I have to give you a sponge bath. Oh, I have to do this. We have all these moments and they're great. But then there are a couple that like felt very specific to this situation. Like those, did, did you, did you get to the Charlie horse scene? Yeah. Yeah. So Taylor wakes up in the middle of the night screaming, not screaming, but like in intense pain because she's having like a muscle spasm in her leg, but she can't obviously get to it because there's a cast and then she doesn't want to bother Jen, but then the pain gets so bad that Jen comes in and like, she's like, Oh yeah, we'll just have to be sure that you do stretches. The the stretches that you're able to do given you, you know, your mobility issues. And here's a good one. If you like bend over and like reach towards your toes, that'll stretch the here. Let me help you. And she like climbs into bed behind her so that she's like, you know, has her legs around her and there's like, okay, stretch. And so like Taylor will stretch forward and Jen is like pressed against her back, helping her stretch. And it was very intimate, very sexy, very sensual. Nice. I enjoyed it. I, I really like this book, but those last couple moments were so weird. Oh, <sighs> Yeah. Oof. Oof. And that, I think. That was that book? And that was Bragging Rights by Kenna White. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's play Fuck, Fuck Mary. Fuck Mary. Fuck Mary. Fuck Mary. Fuck Mary. Kill. Are you ready? Let's play Fuck Mary. Yeah. Kill. Fuck Mary. 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 Kill. Mm-hmm. Claire. Neil. Are you ready to fuck Mary Kill? No, I feel unready for this, but let's do it. You go first. <laughs> okay. Claire, um, fuck Mary Kill. F- Fitz. Taylor. And the ghost of Crazy Jack Hall. <laughs> do that one just for you, Christine. I was like, one of them has to involve a ghost. Okay. Um, 
All right, I am going to marry the ghost of Crazy Jack Hall because <laughs> I made him sound like he was a ghoul in the review, but I'll be honest, he was actually a nice ghost. He said yeah, nice he was things. Nice. And uh, the ghosts are there to be protective forces. Again, I made them sound like they were horrific ghouls, but in fact, they're supposed to be protective forces that were like guiding angels. And, you know, you get the you get a feeling they've got this whole funny, like, lives of their own in their ghost world mm -hmm. type thing. Like, oh, I think yeah. At, well, at the very the end. Epilogue. The epilogue is from the point of view of the ghosts. It was so cute. And it was the one point where Songbird does get to talk. And she's eating popcorn while watching the while watching the, the wedding. And she's like, mm -hmm. this is a perfect time for a wedding. And I'm like, where'd you get your ghost popcorn? <laughs> doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't matter and like and that was adorable all the ghosts were in fact adorable despite mm -hmm. the fact that they were in a horrific book and used for a horrific purpose mm -hmm. but i would marry the ghost because one he seemed very nice mm -hmm. Two, like you know he he had a family that went on for a couple generations so he knew what he was doing so i'm just gonna say yeah sure but i'm gonna fuck taylor because okay. she she seemed great. Mm -hmm. she, she knew what she was doing. She was very nice. Mm -hmm. I don't want to marry her because I feel like she was also a woman who liked her independence. Yes. And yes. Um, we didn't get a hint about her either wanting or not wanting marriage. Like there wasn't any of that. No. But it, the, 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 to be fair to that book, it didn't end with wedding or marriage. It's like, oh, we're together now. Yeah. So. No, and I mean, there, again, there was a lot, like, I got, I stopped at 60%, not entirely because I wasn't enjoying it, or I just ran out of time, but, like, sometimes when you have to read these books so fast, you miss things, and I didn't really want to miss anything in this book. Mm -hmm. I was enjoying reading it. Um, so I'm going to fuck her, and I am going to kill Fitz. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't need to be told my lady brain is dumb. I don't need to be trapped into a marriage and then be accused of trying to trap him into a marriage in the same fight. Like, and then and then have someone plot to steal your baby. I don't like being having having sex with when I'm asleep. I think that's rude, at the yeah. least. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's something that you and your partner have discussed ahead of time. Yeah, uh, as being something I enjoy. Hey, one of these nights this week. Wake me up with your dick. <laughs> Wake me up with cunnilingus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's perfectly fine. Uh -huh. Not like, well, I guess I have to go with it because uh, he is much bigger than me and on top of me. <sighs> anyway, Goodness. so I'm going to kill Fitz. And you? Okay. I think I'll do all the same things. Um... I really liked Taylor. Oh, but Fitz has that gorgeous house. Mm. Anyway, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Fitz's life, maybe not his whole life. I'm gonna take the house. Anyway, I'm gonna kill Fitz. He was, yeah, he was. Um, also, like, okay, she she was having sex with someone who started having sex with her while she was asleep, and so she woke up and was disoriented. And decide to go along with it. That's not great, but like I can see the logic of it. Look, I'm not he, gonna I'm not gonna bag on a lady like for you know for the moment. Like you know, and right. again, like right, we right, all right. live our lives, and all our lives are different. Fine. Right. He was so quote so tired and sick that he got into his bed, and there was a strange woman in it, 
and without even being fully awake, just started fucking her? That's weird. That's weird, and I don't believe it to be true. Especially since apparently he had not had sex with a lot of people for like eight years. Yeah. Like... I Whatever. mean, if you were if you were the type of dude who brought home a new lady every night, and this was the one night you didn't because you were feeling sick, and then you woke up having sex with someone, but this is the reg for you, I guess I would get it. But like, this wasn't his normal. No. Anyway, he's dead. Yeah, he's dead. Um, he's dead. And then I'm gonna marry the ghost of his great 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 grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be awkward. Just like, hey, hubby, I killed your great 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 grandson. Sorry about it. Um, oh, and then I fucked this lady cow rancher. I, so, yeah, I, I feel like Taylor. crazy Jack Hall is going to get it. It's going to get it. Anyway, <laughs> your turn, Claire. All right. Um, we're going to talk about two characters we haven't really talked a whole lot about, and that is Caesar, who, or Caesar, who is uh, one of the ranch hands on the ranch, and he's like been there for a oh, long time. Yeah. And he is one of the nicest men in any book we've ever read. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just this cinnamon roll of a gentleman who helps out on the ranch and is very fucking worried about Taylor all the time. And he has a huge family and grandchildren and he likes to work on the ranch and he's and he's always like standing in the background going, are you okay, Taylor? I brought you one of the horses to look at. <laughs> and I liked yeah, him. We didn't, we didn't talk about him a lot because he was in like four chapters and then disappeared. <laughs> right. But I really enjoyed him, and sure. I always looked forward to him popping up with one of his many children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because his he has like a son and two grandsons that work on the ranch too. And it also talks about him having a shiny white mustache. <laughs> just like, and I was just like, I love it. I don't know why. You seem it like is a white great and shiny. White and shiny mustache. Um, and then there's Lexi, who we briefly mentioned as mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. lesbian ranch hand who works on the ranch. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. there was kind of a nice moment where it talks about, like, because she's older, she and Taylor are one, like, the age gap for them is too too broad for the both of them. Like, neither of them are interested in the other one. There's the age gap problem. There's the, it doesn't sound like Lexi's entirely out-out. Like... It's secret sauce a little bit for her, but everybody gets it. Yeah. Um, and also, they both are not into butch ladies. They both like soft ladies. <laughs> the two butch ladies don't want each other. Yeah. So they're like, we're both going to bars where soft ladies hang out. <laughs> <laughs> and they just look at each other like on the weekend, on the way out of the ranch and nod at each other like, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I'm out. <laughs> yep. It sounds like um, Lexi has someone like a very casual thing, but it's like the same lady that she goes to on her like weekend off once a month or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and Lexi was also like she was a little bit more. She was more prominent in the book than Cesar was. And she's like, yeah, she's super nice, very friendly, also very worried about Lexi, like very much like an aunt type of character. Mm -hmm. And I enjoyed her a lot. Um, and then there's Lily, who we did talk about, who um, was from our first book, who was mm-hmm. uh, who uh, fucked a man to death and, <laughs> uh, and, and was, was supportive um, of his granddaughter. 
Uh, she will box dye her hair until the second she's dead. And she does not give a fuck what you think about that. <laughs> she is, yes, this is her hair color. She paid a lot for this blonde. Thank you very much. And I, I liked her. I liked that mm-hmm. she was also like, oh, you're working in the bookstore now. Here's how to do it. Bye. Like, she, she was not living that bookstore life anymore. Oh, no. She's like, <laughs> she, let me know if you need help. I got shit to do. Yeah, I don't know what she's doing with her day. It could be bingo all day for all we know, but she's fucking out. And I (laughs) liked that about her. She was like, I'm not participating in this story more than to tell you I had sex with your grandfather, uncle, and that's how he died. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, so it's Lily, Lexi, and Cesar. Okay. I'm going to fuck Lily if it's the last thing I do, which it will be. <laughs> um, I get, I, I would marry Lexi, but I don't think she wants to be married, but I don't want to stab her. I don't want to kill Lexi. Well, just you break the rules. You always break the rules. I always break the rules. <laughs> Okay, I will fuck Lily. No, I lied. I'm going to fuck Lexi. And I'm going to marry Cesar. And I'm going to kill Lily. And I'm only going to be a little sad about it because this book has ghosts. So maybe she'll come back. Yeah, I'm going to do all the same things. And pretty much for the same reasons. I mean, good, good, good. Cesar sounds very supportive and lovely Mm -hmm. and charming. So mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think that's going to be super fun. And um, it, being in his family gets you a bunch of free pies from Taylor's mom. Oh, all the free pies you could ask for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm I'm on board. Yeah, right. and then same things for Lexi and Lily. Like I'm going to kill okay. Lily only because she'll probably be better off. Yeah. As a ghost. Poor thing. And out of all the characters, Claire. Um. I actually do think like um I could marry Taylor. Um mm-hmm. I I mean I would tell her to keep working on her art and I would be supportive of her as possible. Um and let her live her life cuz she's had a rough one. But Taylor or Jen? Taylor. Oh no, oh. Jen. I apologize, Jen. <laughs> Taylor has had a great life. Taylor uh, has... right up until right up until <laughs> right up until the very um, end. But then she has another great life. Like, like it's mm-hmm. just a different great yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, there's a bump in the road and then she continues to have a great life afterwards. Um, but Jen, uh, I think I'd marry Jen. I think she sounds great. Um, she kind of jumps to... She has a hotter temper than the book gives her credit for. But um, I think that would be a good marriage. I think... Uh, um, I'd probably fuck Taylor. Um, because I think she's aggressive. Really good at it. And she's good at it. it. She's also used to doing all the work and not even getting off. Yeah. So she will. She will focus on you. So. Which sounds nice to me. I yeah. wouldn't want to do that to her because it's also not what she really wants. Yeah, but, yeah, you know. yeah. But just you know, every so every so often, it's just nice to be the center yeah. of attention. Yeah. Um. And then I think I would kill Fitz. Okay. I mean, I think I would maybe 
probably just like obliterate all of Shirley, Wyoming, mm-hmm. and do it a favor. Because <laughs> you, that, that shit's haunted. That is, uh, uh, Shirley is a spooky bitch, but not a good one. Not so, a bad one. Oh. <laughs> a bad kind of spooky. Um, you know, it's haunt. It's it's haunted by the machismo of our past. And mm-hmm. anyway, so yeah, that is me. Okay. Um, I think I'm gonna fuck Jen. I feel like there'd be there'd be candles involved. It'd be oh, like, yeah. it'd be it'd be passionate, but it'd also have like a softness to it. Um, I think we're gonna marry Lily, and we're both just gonna kind of do our own thing, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna set my affairs in order before we have sex each time, because who knows? <laughs> um, and then I'm gonna kill Kelly, because Kelly was garbage. <laughs> Kelly was garbage. Kelly was 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 real bad. And the books? Okay. I'm going to kill Crazy for the Cowboy. Um, there are two other things that I'd like to mention really fast about it. One is there's a point they're like, oh yeah, we'll just go up to Laramie for like a night out. And as a gay man in this country, that struck me so strangely. Because for me, <laughs> Laramie is where Matthew Shepard died. Right. Yeah. But also, you know, people still live there. There it's, there it's, are there are people who go there because it's the bigger town and it, so like I'm not I'm not saying anything bad about this book for like mentioning Laramie, Wyoming. It just out of nowhere they're like, "Oh, you're kind of sad fits. Let's go to Laramie." I was like, "Oh god, okay." Mm-mm. Also, shortly after um Fitz and re have sex they have a conversation about how each of them has been tested recently so they they are not concerned about stis and in fact Fitz is like oh yeah i get tested regularly as like part of the health regimen for being the sheriff and i'm like okay this is a good good that they're having their this conversation but then jen thinks to her to herself um hold on She'd never doubted for a moment that he was disease free. One, that's that's dumb. That's a dumb thing to do. That's that's how people contract diseases, sexually transmitted infections. Because diseases are not more are not more attached to more. Yeah, one that's dumb because if you assume that somebody doesn't have uh, something transmittable and they do, like that's how that happens. And then two, it's not tied to character or morality or anything like that. Because someone is a good person, that doesn't mean that they're a immune to disease or that they won't have an STI or that those have anything to do with each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it just, oh, like it bothered me a lot. Yeah. Um, so, mm. so I'm going <laughs> to kill the book is what I'm saying. Um, and then I'm going to fuck bragging rights. Um, Parts of it, like, it was, it was strange, like, the book was either too long or not long enough for me. Like, it, it, there was stuff that the, our author fit in there that needed more space than it had. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, 
and I wanted it to, but because it didn't have that space, it doesn't need to be in the book as it is kind of thing. Yeah. So that was that. Um, and then again, like the ending is very strange to me. Um, but overall, I really liked it. And I really liked um, Jen and Taylor's banter and like the progression of their relationship. Um, and, you know, we talk about the, the excess of oh shit it's you moments but then there was definitely there was a scene where taylor was like oh hey do you know why i was so mean to you at the bar it's because i was looking for someone but i was looking for you and i didn't you know like you were the person i was looking for you were getting in the way of me looking for you and that's why i was so upset so like it calls back to it it was sweet etc etc but yeah overall i enjoyed reading it so i'm gonna i'm gonna fuck it what about you claire yeah, no, I I think the same thing. Like I'm, I want to. I'm gonna fuck bragging rights. What I read of it, I really enjoyed, and I do feel like I want to keep reading it. And I'm gonna get through that next part. Um, yeah, and I think uh, there was a lot of tenderness in it. The characters were all really well built. Um, I think Taylor had the possibility of being a very annoying character to read, mm-hmm. but I never really found her that way. It all felt grounded. She felt like a full person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, and I think like, and it was written so realistically, I think one of the reasons why I gasped when you said, you know, that she was paralyzed was, um, you know, because this is all so real, it felt really real. And I could see how th- exactly that could happen. And it was a fear the whole time. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, no, it doesn't, it doesn't feel contrived in how things actually happen. Um, yeah. But- the scene was really sad because like, you know, Jen had to do as her, as Taylor's caregiver had to do certain things to like help ensure that, 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 there weren't lasting side effects so then when it became obvious that taylor was paralyzed jen was like sobbing and saying to the doctor like but i did everything right i promise i gave her all of her injections i did everything i needed to do and was like blaming herself and the doctor had to be like no it 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 wasn't you you did do everything right and then this still happened and so it was it was it was emotional it had some emotional payoff for jen as well but then also she's like okay no it's not about me i uh, you know like i can feel my feelings but I, we need to focus on taylor etc cetera, etc cetera. but yeah it was rough it was really rough i think that's good i think um for any readers out there who are interested in this like if you need a catharsis because you are a caregiver and you kind of want to go through those emotions uh, with somebody else who's a caregiver, like this might be good. This also might be a really triggering book if you mm. are a caregiver or somebody who needs intense amount of care. Um, like, there could be lovely things in this book for you to read. It could also like really trigger some hard stuff. So, because it's so well written or so realistically written, um, mm-hmm. I don't want to speak to how well that's integrated into the story or plot in some ways. But like, yeah. So. If you're interested in reading this, I think there's a lot of good in it, but I would also be careful of mm-hmm. your feels if you are unprepared. Um, uh, crazy for the cowboy, though. I'm going to kill. And mm-hmm. um, what's really funny is just last night I was telling Neil because I just finished Crazy for the Cowboys. Like, this is going to be one of our funniest episodes yet because this was such a f- dumb book <laughs> with dumb things in it. But then reading... <laughs> reading the other book and feeling like the sorrow of this 
very difficult change in life and like becoming a new person and like like yeah it, it just you know it was emotional to you know to to read these two things so it, it ended up not being the funniest episode ever uh so i'm gonna kill crazy for the cowboy for that reason <laughs> that's revenge that's revenge, revenge for my feels sweet sweet revenge um also one last thing about crazy for the cowboy i made a note specifically for christine i thought of you there's a scene where she turns on a classical radio station and she's like this is uh re she's like driving or working or something and she's like oh i want to listen to classical music to like listen to while i'm she turns on the radio station and they're playing they're playing Pactel's Canon in D. <laughs> yeah, no. Christine's reaction was exactly what I wanted it to be, which was an eye roll, a very heavy sigh, and a slow shake of the head. <laughs> anyway. Um, what I'll also say just real quick before we move on to our favorite game. Our favorite game. Is there are a lot of similarities between these two books. And we're going to get into that list in the extended version of this episode. What? <laughs> because Great. I think it's worth withholding. Sorry. Yeah. So just regular old subscribers, get on the Patreon and listen is... to all the crazy ass shit we're not going to talk about. This is capitalism. Get with it. Give us money. <laughs> anyway, but let's. Are we ready? Are we ready? I, I'm ready. Are we ready for our favorite game? <sighs> all right okay um neil you might be able to guess this uh, just because um this book has made the round one of these books has made the rounds so like it might be a a title you're familiar with okay okay um but i don't know maybe not we'll see we'll see so the two books is it the kama sutra (laughs) we were reviewing that um uh, i'm not going to read the parenthetical not because it gives it away it just makes it more confusing (laughs) no do it then make it more confusing. (laughs) (laughs) all right night of pleasure uh parenthetical smuggler's cove by simone anderson Mm -hmm. and well met by jen deluca (sighs) <sighs> I think that this is something like um, 18th century taverns. Oh, like, you are on a correct-ish track. Right? Because there's some, like, I'm trying to think, like, well met is like, it, isn't that something you do in, like, welding or when you make swords or something? Well met was a greeting in like the middle ages but like when you met something out like isn't it oh, like a play know. on like it might be both yeah oh, okay I, I think like well oh, met, yeah, like I when see. i'm meeting you it's like a play on also the mm. sword thing that christine brought up but i what don't know for f- sure what was the first book called uh night and this is k and i g h t night of pleasure parentheses smuggler's clove 
Smuggler's Cove. I feel like I said Smuggler's Clove, but it's <laughs> Smuggler's Cove. Co- we smuggle clove. Isn't Smuggler's Cove, doesn't that have something to do with, um, uh, uh, oh my god, Han Solo? Don't they go to, like, Smuggler's Cove or something? Oh, no, he has, um, he is a smuggler. He's a smuggler, yeah, right? He's a smuggler. I think he's got smuggler's hideouts in his ship. Mm, Okay. I'm a Star Wars fan, and I said (laughs) 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 You mean in the Millennial Falcon? Millennium Falcon? Either way, nothing to do with Han Solo. Nothing to do. Okay. Um... Um, what you got? And you said Christine was right-ish. He, she was on a right-ish track. With 18th century taverns. 18th century or 1800s? Uh, it, which, did, which did Christine say? I said 1800s. Okay, 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 okay. Oh, you said 18... Oh. Oh, am I on... Am I a century okay, off well, now? Look, taverns, there's like feelings correct about taverns okay but it's on the way on the way but you still have to move forward oh. e- either way whether it's 18th so century or 1800s you have to move forward in time so <laughs> it's not so it's not like barmaids and chivalrous knights i mean yes and no oh okay. i know i'm so confusing i'm very sorry is it actors on set of a fantasy tv series that is very close Ah! Oh. Okay. Well, it's definitely got something to do with swords. Fantasy. Fa- like Renfair. <gasps> Christine, you got it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that's but my my guess would have been cons, like a fantasy con. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah. Well oh, met. oh my god. Uh, well oh met god. and night of pleasure. Okay, so to be fair, night of because it was very hard to find a Ren fair that was also like, uh, hey, um, LGBTQA plus writers, uh, get out there and write more Ren fair romances <laughs> because uh, Jen DeLuca has you beat. We've <laughs> 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 got a whole series. We're reading book one of it, um, and because Jen DeLuca was successful with this, a lot of other writers have started to write those. So get on it. Uh, Night of Pleasure uh, technically takes place in a bar that's Ren Faire-ish. Um, and so I'm going to have to, like, it's like the atmosphere of a Ren Faire. So, like, mm. you know, I'm also thinking it's also like one of those, like, I don't know for sure, but it also sounds like it's one of those uh, Knights of the Round Table dinner theater things. <gasps> oh, my God. I don't but know But with sure. romance. So, but anyway, uh, these I are hope Ren it is. romances. Ren I hope Faire it romance. is. Oh, gosh. Okay, great. Welcome to the Ren Faire. I'm excited. <laughs> well, thank All you, right. Claire. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Christine. Thank you thank so much, you. Christine. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you, listeners. We love you. You're thank you so much, people. listeners. And if you want to hear more of us, you can do that by uh, supporting us on Patreon patreon.com slash fmklitpod the link is in the description and thank you authors you can also thank you authors um and of course you can also rate review and subscribe tell your friends tell your enemies tell mm-hmm. your lovers mm-hmm. thank you so mm-hmm. much authors um i know that uh we go crazy on these books and sometimes crazy for these books and you never know what it's going to be but 
we're always trying to be supportive thank you so much for all your hard work yeah and you have our money so jokes on us and i guess all we have left to say is that if you can do so safely and consensually and wearing your favorite cowboy boots and wide awake <laughs> <laughs> Keep. Keep.